Welcome to Leading Women, your place to share and celebrate real stories and access the tools and resources you need to activate your leadership. I'm Ginny Olney, Head of Combank's Women in Focus, and Leading Women is just one of the ways we support women at all stages of their business journey. So, no matter where you are on your journey, we're here. Enjoy this episode as we redefine the business landscape together. Welcome to Leading Women, the place to ignite your leadership and elevate equality. I'm your host, Shade Zarai, and today's conversation blends culture and leadership with the joy of storytelling, the importance of bringing your whole self to work, and the power of Indigenous people being positively included in the Australian media landscape. And what a delight to welcome our guest, Tanya Denning-Orman, Director, Indigenous Content at SBS. Tanya shares how respect, inclusion, and a focus on the legacy we are leaving should factor in every decision we make. Thanks for joining us on Leading Women, Tanya, dialing in from Sydney on the nations of the Eora. So Tanya, with your unique upbringing and the rich stories of your family and mob, we would love to hear your leadership journey from the bush to the city and everywhere in between. Oh, Wudamuli, which is um, hello in Berigava, one of my nations that I belong to, which is far up north around the Whitsundays. <laughs> Beautiful. It's so wonderful to have you here. And we know you've had one incredible leadership journey. Can you share with us an overview and then we'll deep dive into some of your unforgettable stories? Well, I guess I'm an accidental leader, if I can say that. I, I was very passionate about becoming a journalist, actually. That was my ambition a good 20-odd or more years ago, feeling my age. Um, you know, really passionate about storytelling and, you know, my craft to this day, I'd still say I'm a journalist and a, a producer of content. However, you know, with that passion, I really wanted to tell stories, not just um, of what was happening in the world around me or with Australians, but particularly the stories that were happening to Indigenous Australians, primarily because you can see our stories. I can see my community represented at all, let alone when we were represented on screen. It wasn't the world I was growing up in, or it was quite a negative perception or negative portrayal, which wasn't telling the full story. So I kept on working towards becoming a journalist and um, a filmmaker. However, an opportunity came along to help. Uh, you know, I set up my own production company before this occurred, but there was an opportunity to have a part of the very, you know, establishment of the Indigenous channel, NITV, back in 2007. And that then led to my journey, so to speak, of corporate life and management and then understanding what it is to really drive a business and drive people. And, you know, what was a part-time gig, because I always thought I'd get back to storytelling, um, you know, 2007, so 13, 14 odd years later, I'm still here. A sign that you're loving what you're doing and you're meant to be where you are. Uh, I definitely love, I love it. It's a challenging environment. Uh, media is constantly changing, as we all know, dealing with all sorts of aspects of, you know, global platform giants and the rest. So it's a really interesting industry to be in. Um, so I feel like I've got the best of both worlds, being able to create and problem solve every day in my position as 
a leader in the media environment, you know, an executive in television and media in Australia, but also as a storyteller. So I've been able to um, mesh my love into this pretty incredible career, 20 odd years, jumping from ABC to SBS and now being a part of crafting what I believe is a, you know, an incredible contribution to Australian viewers or Australians in general to have access to a platform that tells the story of the oldest continuous culture on the planet at any minute of the day. So Tanya, let's dive into that first love of yours that you've introduced us to, this idea of journalism and really telling stories, you know, giving a voice to the voiceless and allowing visibility where there may not be any. So what was it about this industry that really inspired you to make your impact here? Oh, look, I was, or I am an 80s kid. I grew up where the television box was the centerpiece of anybody's household. And with one or two channels, um, it was your, you know, window to the world. And it was, you know, as uh, as much as I loved it, I questioned it. You know, I, you know I'd sit back loving watching um you know, programs like, um, you know, country practice or flying doctors and the likes, but it would soon be pretty obvious when um, talking about my community and how Indigenous people were represented, whether it was on drama or whether it was within the news. So it was the news that was, you know, my dad, um, we always had the wireless on, as we'd say, and we'd always have news on. And I'd never see the world through the perspective of um, my world, Indigenous people. And one day I saw a beautiful black woman reading the news and it it really changed me, I guess. And, you know, she knows who she is, Rubina Colby. She was not only reading the news, it was the authority that she had. And so for me, Growing up in a mining town in central Queensland, most of the role models I had were, you know, it was a very male-dominated town. So people who um, were in careers were miners or railway workers or shopkeepers or school teachers. Like I didn't see other examples of profession in um, this small town in central Queensland. And so for me to see this black woman reading the news there was a shift in my thinking and, and, you know, if she could do it, I could possibly do it. So that mixed with my passion of uh, justice, so to speak, I always question the world and, you know, I'm forever grateful that my parents and grandparents grew me up in a, a way that I could question what was happening around me. And then seeing an Aboriginal woman, you know, really cements to me, and I talk about it today, the what seeing what you can be and the power of that. And But also, when I would go to school or, you know, talk in the community, how the opinions of Australians around me, who I loved dearly, but they had this set opinion over my community. And so, it was always a challenge to me because mostly because I thought people were missing out. As a child, I was thinking, well, they're they're missing out on so much. I'm getting to do all this incredible stuff with my family. And, you know, it was just, it was incredible to me, the hatred or the anger or the, you know, the way people spoke about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And so then when I could see that this Aboriginal woman was reading the news, I just set myself on that path that, well, if she can do it, I can as well. And 
I went to university and I kept on knocking on the door of the ABC. That was my role modeling where I really believed in public um, broadcasting and, and, you know, public storytelling and the truth. And for me, I felt ABC was that place. Um, Of course, I'm at SBS now, but I didn't have SBS up in Queensland at the time when I was growing up. But for me, it was about public broadcasting and the importance of that. And I didn't get a job for a couple of years. I just kept on knocking on the door and I had some sort of degree of persistence um, because it was a time where the, it was really challenging to get a job in media and I had to leave my community and I had to come all the way down to Sydney, which for a young married kid at the time, um, you know, even though I was a university graduate, it was a huge deal to come to the other side of the country to pursue this passion, which, you know, to this day, I never regret. It's challenging of having to, you know, there's a lot of my time in my life where I've lived away from home now, but I feel passionate about the new family and storytelling that I'm a part of. Uh, you know, at the Indigenous Channel, there's about 60 of us. Most of us are from First Nations people from all over the country, and I get to share and connect with them in different ways. So that's the joy of my position, which, you know, doesn't mean I don't miss home, like Queensland, particularly after a year of COVID. That it's a privilege and I still to this day feel very honoured to be in this position and just as passionate as I was back as a kid growing up in central Queensland, wanting to you know, correct the wrongs of Australian television. Um, we've come a long way, but I feel we've still got a long way to go. But I do feel there's light happening. And I guess I, I always think of, you know, another 80s program, The Never Ending Story. And, you know, you've got the oracles there and the lights coming out. And we've got this incredible opportunity as Australians where there is um, a shift in this landscape happening. And I, I feel so excited to be a part of it. And what a beautiful story filled with so many personal experiences that you had. And, you know, the sense that I get is that because of the experiences you've had early on in life, your background and your passions infuse everything that you do from your personal life to your professional life. And there were a couple of things I'd love to call on. You highlighted that, you know, if you don't know something exists, it's so easy for these prejudices and these biases to come into play. And that's why you know, what I'm hearing is your love of storytelling allows you to capture these stories and make them public to educate. And you said to correct the wrongs. So I can sense your passion as you're speaking about that. And this early experience you had when you were 10 years old and you saw the the Indigenous newsreader who you, you just almost instantly looked up to, not only in her ability to tell stories, but you could see yourself in that. And it highlights the power of having role models as children and even as women, as we go through our careers, there's a lot of uh, literature and research around the psychological theory, the motivational theory of role modeling, and how if we don't have someone that we can look to who seems like us, sounds like us, we resonate with, we subconsciously lean out. So then the flip of this is that we also never know who we're inspiring, because that newsreader at the time probably had no idea that she was inspiring you at that pivotal moment to then almost follow on that pathway and look at the incredible impact that you've had. Yeah, no, um, I'm just absolutely, you know, going back in that moment, I'm seeing her and I had the privilege to, you know, I was able to talk to her about it years later of what she, what she did. And um, she took it in her stride as she did. She's an incredible lady, but to go to your point about seeing what you can potentially be and role modeling, 
I'm so passionate about that. Also because the reason NITV, National Indigenous Television, exists was a recommendation from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, which was tabled in Parliament uh, a good 20-odd years ago, recommended the power and the importance of Indigenous people being able to see themselves represented positively on screen. And I've been really um, advocating as an Indigenous channel that we had not only programs of you know, inspiring Indigenous Australians, but also children programming so that young Indigenous people actually could hear themselves and see themselves included in society. And it's something that is so important that this was a, you know, massive royal commission that Australian government commissioned. And, you know, that uh, piece of, you know, one of the few recommendations that did get implemented. And here we are today. And, you know, we do get beautiful letters coming in from audiences all the time. I love the ones that we get from school teachers over the impact of what the Indigenous Channel has had particularly on um, their classroom and and I think not only is that special for Indigenous children but also for all Australian kids because not only do we want to see someone who looks like us or talks like us but how important it is for us and I guess the you know reconciliation it is to see someone who doesn't look like us and doesn't talk like us and you can see you know um, what we have in common and what what are the, the differences and you know, the importance of that because then maybe, you know, you could empathise and you can understand each other more. And, um, you know, we're not just a one beige Australia. We're a very diverse, distinct Australia with, you know, more than 60,000 years of incredible stories for everybody. It's interesting, you know, looking back, I'm, I guess I'm of the age now, but how pivotal it is, you know, the role of your family, but, you know, the role of those around us in inspiring you to those next steps. And, you know, I don't take that lightly. Yeah, the true power of real inclusion and opening your eyes to what is really happening around you. And so, Tanya, you touched on the importance of relationships and empathy and also meeting people on an equal level. And I love your view on leadership because it's both powerful and very refreshing. Can you share with us how you reimagine leadership? Well, I guess... What I've always done is just kept it real. It's about um, bringing your whole self into the position. And, you know, when I imagined myself moving forward up the per se corporate ladder, I had a, you know, as an 80s kid, as I said, you get the Dallas or the dynasty sort of ideas of breaking through into the corporate boardroom. And look, that just wasn't me. And, you know, what I did is, and I had this feedback is what you see is what you get. And you disarm people by ensuring, um, you know, you connect at the personal level. I bring that culture the culture that I'm a part of as a First Nations woman, it was all about getting to know each other first before you start talking about negotiating this contract or that deal. It's about how do we all connect. Um, so I do that in, you know, my rethinking of leadership, I guess, if that's the terminology we put on it, is about how we connect first as humans. And I think that's very much something I've done through being a, a Murray kid growing up in central Queensland and seeing the role modeling of my grandparents and my family around me. And I feel that disarms um, any situation and you can 
get to know each other in a way that really helps the the process like you can get through to what you're both trying to achieve um, in a situation or in a, a situation when you're having to lead people or you're leading big ideas or big transformation it's fine to show the vulnerability and but also in, it's important to show and explain um, you know the vision and the direction and the reasoning you know when I think about leadership, I think very much it's a noun, but it's also very much a verb. It's a it's, it's an action. It's a doing, and it doesn't matter where you're at um, in your career. Leadership is something that you know you can consider at any sort of part of what you're doing in your daily life or what you're doing in your work life. It doesn't mean that you, if you're the manager, you have to be the leader. It's it's how you do and how you bring and how you. Um, connect with the entire team. So, you know, leadership as a doing is also, I guess, a rethinking. It's not this statement of, you know, shoulder pads and owning the situation and people have to walk to the beat of your drum. It's a case of we're all in this together and, you know, we all have a pivotal role within a scenario and, you know, we're all leaders in our own way of, you know, what do you want to do to um, be the best you can with that position? And then how do I respond to it is, um, you know, I think something that has been what I've taken forward with me in my leadership journey. And I actually really like how you just said that you use your ability to connect as a way to disarm people and your absolute rawness and authenticity, it does disarm. And when, you know, when you said that, I thought, yeah, it's almost like in today's business world, people are armed with armor to protect themselves. They don't want to be vulnerable. They're, you know, protecting their interests. But to your point, when you show up and connect on a personal level, put that people orientation first, you're keeping it real. People respond to that and it almost gives them permission to also do the same. And you create this beautiful level playing field where you're connecting with the person first, and then you get into business or get onto whatever you need to do, which I think is such a beautiful way to think about it and really embrace this idea of leadership and what it means. And it's celebrating your team. Nothing is done in isolation. And we've, you know, I can't express that enough. It's about how someone feels valued, um, how I feel valued in the sense of being excited to be, you know, I get to work in an industry of ideas and problem solving and creation, which is really exciting. But I think this can be taken into any sort of profession where you're all coming together, you've got an idea, you've got a passion, and you've got a real worth a part of the system. You're not interchangeable. You're a valued member of the team. And it's really important um, people walk away at the end of their day in the office or in their virtual world that they're in, that they feel that sense of worth that they've provided to what we're trying to achieve. And I think that's something I've tried to um, really foster within my work environment. Um, So it doesn't matter if I'm doing a big production or we're running some sort of audit and risk committee on how we're managing our internal um, books. Whatever it is, it requires people feeling that they're a part of something and, you know, they've got a worth and you respect what they bring to the table. And when it comes to leadership, we know that qualities and traits like empathy, collaboration and intuition are extremely important for communication and for decision making. Do you see that as women, we have an advantage as leaders because of the traits that we intuitively bring? 
And what do you feel are non-negotiables when it comes to leading a team? Well, as a woman, yes, I think we are leading in so many ways. <laughs> um, look, I, I think we've got some inherent, you know, and look, I, I see this when men bring their feminine side to work as much as, you know, whether it's not so gender specific, but it's the what we deliver as who we are. So bring that feminine quality. And what's that feminine quality? I believe is that empathy, really understanding what it's like to walk in somebody's shoes and caring. You know, I think years ago, especially in the world I was growing up in as a journalist, you had to be tough and you had to question everything. And, you know, showing a degree of vulnerability and sensitivity wasn't really what you did in the newsroom, um, let alone in the executive of a broadcasting room. So it's, you know, I believe women from my experiences and who I've worked with have brought beautiful understanding and insight into human behavior. I think sometimes we have, you know, tried to be something that unnecessarily, you know, depending on the scenario, but we, we can just, I guess it's just be yourself, whether it's a female or a male or whoever you are. I think that quality is all about bringing your whole self to work and empathizing with each other. We all have lived experiences. We may not know what people are going through. And I think it's really important to sort of, you know, really have deep breaths when you're busy and frustrated and need to get the job done. But it's important to always take that step back and, you know, have that time, as they say, on the floor, but also out of the, you know, above and having a look at the whole picture. And I guess when you ask about what are the non-negotiables, you know, when I first went into my leadership journey of managing people, I was told about the, a formula of C's and uh, I joke with my team about that because we come up with all sorts of words with um, starting with the letter C and um, what really sticks to me though as a non-negotiable for any manager, any leader is clarity. You need to ensure that you're really clear with your team or with individuals of what you're expecting of them. People need to know what's expected, what's their job or what are we trying to achieve. Clarity every day is important. Clarity in the bigger projects, the reasoning of why is really important. Um, it's also for me a non-negotiable is and your role as a manager and your role as a leader in an organisation is setting the climate, ensuring that whatever is happening in someone's life outside of that, you know, what you create is a different climate internally in the sense of if someone is, you know, behaviour is toxic or there's issues that they're, you know, underperforming, um, how do we work with that? Because it could just be one person within your entire team, as they say, can really impact um, every element, whether it's performance or output to people's feeling of, you know, valuing what they bring to the job. And look, I think with that, there's two other C's I, you know, I like to talk about, in, and that's competence. You want to make sure you're providing 
you know, professional development and you're growing your people that they're, they're not only delivering to your organization or what you're trying to achieve, but people have a sense of worth that they're growing as, um, you know, humans on the planet in the sense that, you know, they're giving to you as an organization, as a leader, you want to keep growing with them because the more you provide them in professional development, the more they give back. Um, but also you need to make sure you're hiring the right people for your job. So that competence of, you know, someone could be really great at one aspect, but if they become a manager, for instance, not really their thing, like how do you work with them so they feel they've got the skills in order to do their job? And the other thing, you know, just that confidence, you've got to own your place in the world. You're, you know, you're, I think we can always have that I know for me, I feel, you know, you hear this a lot, especially with women, is imposter syndrome. Um, what are you doing here? Um, you know, I do suffer. Oh, my God, I'm just a little girl from central Queensland. What am I doing down in the big smoke and running and, you know, being in an executive of a broadcaster and um, leading massive decisions when it comes to media, media policy and content production doing deals with other broadcasters and I think what you know I'm just a girl from the bush um you know I'm cooking Yamajin and Berry and I grew up in a small little town and what am I doing here so I do you know have a laugh about it I gotta shake it out and it's like I worked hard for this place I know what I deliver and I've got to own that confidence and I think sometimes maybe as women maybe as Australians we like to downplay that but I think our time really is now to really own what we contribute to the shift that's happening say for my industry in the media landscape the role women are playing in that but the role we're playing in politics the role we're playing um, in corporate Australia I think like I said with Indigenous media there's a lot more that we need to do but gee, we've come a long way and having that confidence is a non-negotiable when you embark on your leadership journey. Gosh, I couldn't agree more. And I love how you even shared that you experience imposter syndrome. It is something that we all face. You said the little girl from central Queensland who is keeping it real and making some serious waves. <laughs> this, is, this is what you're doing. And, you know, I think there's so many powerful messages that came through in what you were sharing around the importance of bringing empathy to work, bringing your whole self to work, but also this idea of positively influencing and knowing that as a leader, when you bring your whole self to work, you know, there's this incredible concept in psychology called emotional contagion, where people can literally catch the emotions and the moods of others. And it's because of what's going on in the brain and mirror neurons. But when you show up with optimism and enthusiasm, and again, that authenticity, people see that and subconsciously take that on. And again, giving them permission to do the same. And this is how you have that dial shift when it comes to climate. And when it comes to encouraging people to own their confidence. So there have been so many amazing messages that have come through. So now, Tanya, as you know, at Leading Women, we're committed to activating women's leadership. And our unique impact is that each of our amazing guests offers an actionable tool that's ignited their leadership for us to add into our leadership toolbox to elevate equality and redefine our business landscape. So what are you adding for us today? I think if there's something I'd like to impart on is the the bigger picture the you know it's not just about where we are at today with our careers it's about you know I guess 
what the legacy is or what we're leaving into the world and how we want to make it a better place and consider how every decision we make and the impact that can have on our, you know, the generations to come. In my culture, you know, time is, you know, never ending. There's continuity. You know, my my son, his children are my grandparents and, you know, he is already a grandparent to my parents. We, you know, how we look after each other is really important. And, you know, in what you do in a workplace, if there's something, you know, it's not a book, it's not, it's it's more the knowledge I've had growing up um, in as a, a cook, a Yamajin and a very Gubba woman, um, as a Murray kid in, in central Queensland is the importance of you know, respect of people, no matter their walk of life and how you can bring in um, into your workplace, reach out of connecting with another human in the sense of getting to know them and, you know, connect with each other first on a heart and a soul level and get to know what motivates them or, you know, what what's their joy. And, when you get to know those people around you, you can act and be that person they need you to be and be that leader. And when you're you're thinking about the decisions you're making and, you know, it's not just necessarily the bottom line, it's about, okay, what is the best I can be and, you know, the how people are seeing me and, you know, that sort of impact that you have. If you go back to the fact that, this woman reading the news was enough for me to trigger and change my whole career. You know, always keep mindful you're being watched and people are connecting and they're seeing out, you know, humans need each other and they also need each other to care for each other and connect with each other. And, you know, I guess off the year of COVID, off a year of a massive transition where we've not since, um, the industrial revolution has there been such a shift in the way we work and the way we connect has relationship been more important and if there's a long way of saying something quite simple <laughs> in my answer is you know in your leadership journey just be yourself connect and think about the imprint or the footprint you're going to leave for others what a beautifully empowering message to leave us all with Tanya, thank you so much for your insight, for your stories. I really feel like you brought your heart and soul to, to this uh, conversation that we had. I love the, the piece that you shared that was inspired by your Indigenous culture around the fact that we need to think it's not just about where we are now. It's about the legacy that we want to leave and how we want to make this world a better place. And as women, we need to own our place in the world. And this is how we can change our personal narrative and the footprint that we leave behind. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a rich conversation of blending culture with leadership, with the ultimate aim of creating a legacy for generations to come. And that's all for this conversation. We're looking forward to you joining us next episode. So until then, share this episode with the women leaders you know, and let's activate leadership together. Thanks for listening to Leading Women, where we can all activate leadership and redefine the business landscape. So now it's over to you. Access the links, tips and tools discussed in this episode at womeninfocus.com.au. Subscribe to Leading Women so you don't miss an episode. 
leave a review, spread the word, and let's commit to keeping the conversation going at hashtag leadingwomenAUS.